0: Um, I just want to say, just from the get-go, I, I love your guys' church. I, I love visiting you guys. I love doing life with many of you outside of this building and, and in, my, in my workplace, or just, just as friends and family. Um, my, my name is Dallas. I, I attend Life Church in, here in Walla Walla. I work at Live it Coffee Company, and, and I help with our, our leadership school there. It's a two-year Bible college, ran through Portland Bible College. Um, called Forge and Foundry. So I, I help teach that program and I help administratively there. And, and it's just a blast. I absolutely love it. It's one of the, the most fun things that I get to do. But, but today I'm especially excited to come and, and hang out with you guys this morning. I just want to thank uh, Jordan and Nick and Pastor Nate and Michelle while they're gone. I just want to thank you guys for, for how you, you lead your people. Um, I, there you are. I thank you for how you lead your people. Thank you for how you pastor this this group of people and and I just felt so strongly as I was preparing throughout this last week or so is that Walla Walla needs Refuge Church. It truly does. It needs you. Okay? There are people in this city that that need Refuge Church. And so I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to come Hang out with you guys and share some things from from God's love letter to his kids and and uh, so we're going through the book of Colossians if you're just joining us for the first week uh, we're we're going through um, a beautiful little epistle written by the Apostle Paul and and we're just walking through some of the key themes and key scriptures that we find through there and and we're going to be closing today with the the last and final chapter chapter four. And, and I think that God really has some some precious things in store for us this morning. So I just want to pray real quick before we begin. God, I just thank you so much. Lord, I just thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your guiding and for your leading. And Lord that, that you can you're, you're touching every single heart even right now. God, we just open our hearts to you and we ask, God, that, that if you have a word that you would speak to us, whether it's from my mouth or from yours, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak it clearly to your people this morning. We just pray blessing and blessing and blessing in Jesus' name. Come on. So uh, so a little bit about myself. I I moved a lot growing up. I kind of lived all over central Washington, born in Moses Lake, lived in Euphredo, Waterville, Mabton, Prosser, up into the Tenasket area, Orville, uh, good old Tanasket, T-Nasty is what they call it. Um, so so I, I kind of moved around a lot, and, and so with moving, what I found is that you make a lot of amazing connections when, when you enter into a new place, or when you enter into, a, even if it's not moving towns, maybe you're moving jobs, maybe you're moving schools. In In, in seasons of transition, there's opportunities for great, great, great connections but also when when you leave one season and go into the next, there's also things that you can find yourself connected to that you maybe wish that you weren't connected to. They can bring up things that's like, oh, I don't know why I was so connected to this past relationship. I don't know why I was so connected to this idea. I don't know why I was so connected to these things. And if you're anything like myself, sometimes we can kind of put the focus on the things that we wish we weren't connected to rather than the things that we are to be connected to. Is that right? Am I alone in that? No. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. So in this last chapter of Colossians, I love how practical the Apostle Paul gets with us when, when he just lays it simply and clearly. Okay, So, so as, as I was reading through this chapter and, and kind of really diving into it and studying it, what I found was that, that there are some connections that matter. I found three, specifically, three connections that matter that are going to help us to live the life that God has called us to live. A life of influence, a life of impact, a life of significance, a life of, of purpose, a life where we're being obedient to the will of God in our lives, right? And so, so the first connection that matters is, comes out of this first chunk in Colossians 4, chapter, uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So the first primary connection that we need, I would say the first and foremost connection that we need in order to live a fulfilling fruitful life as believers is we need to be connected to God. We need to be connected to God, and one of the most practical ways that we can be connected to God is this intimate thing called prayer. Okay, so, so prayer is, is this beautiful opportunity where God invites us into his very personal presence to engage in conversation with him. And let me, and can I just warn you with this, and that, in that the, the verse where it says, with an alert mind and thankful heart, I think what he's reminding us to do is not sleep on the job. I, I for a long time, uh, for, for a while did wildland firefighting, and I would be sitting in the back of our our trucks driving around the wilderness all over the place. And often, like most toddlers do, I was a 19-year-old toddler, but like most toddlers do, when you sit in the back of a vehicle and it's moving for hours and hours on end, it is so easy to fall asleep. Yes, thank you. Sometimes, no, hopefully not while you're driving, mostly when you're a passenger. I was always in the back of the truck, praise God. But, so, so my boss, he would recognize that I was sleeping on the job, and so the way that he would wake me up is we'd be 30 miles out into the middle of nowhere around so many Forest Service roads and all this stuff. And he'd be like, hey, what they call me Cincinnati because when you have a name that is the name of a city, you just kind of get whatever you're given. So It's like, hey, Cincinnati, find where we're at on the map. I'm like, okay, 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 there's a mountain, there's a lake, let's give it our best shot. <laughs> and so, so I learned quickly that, that it's not okay to fall asleep on the job. And I think that Paul would have learned a similar story from hanging out with the disciples. With the disciples that followed jesus and in the stories that were conveyed and and hearing their gospel accounts and in interacting with peter and and, and the boys when they were in the garden of the gethsemane and jesus said hey stay awake and pray with me and they fell asleep on the job okay so with an alert mind and a thankful heart how are my question for us today is how are we treating the presence of god how are we treating the company of the Holy Spirit. Are we treating it with the weight it deserves? Are we treating it lightly? And and just just to be fair, the, the definition for the word dishonor is to take lightly. So are we dishonoring the very presence of the Holy Spirit when we sleep on the job in our prayer life? And this isn't to condemn or to say, hey, blah, 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 wake up. But it is to say that we have some beautiful opportunities ahead of us. We have some beautiful encounters ahead of us. If only we would make our hearts just as ready as our hopes are, right? Sometimes we're hoping for things to change. We're hoping for circumstances to differ. We're hoping for that family member or that friend to come to know Jesus. We're hoping for all of these things, but sometimes our, our energy when we're in that place of hoping can get strained. And I get some of us have been praying for things for longer than I have even been alive. And I honor you for that. Pray another day. Say another one, please. <laughs> My generation needs it. We all know that. But say another one. So with an alert mind and a thankful heart, we pray. Okay. Prayer also, when we, when we look at that verse, prayer also isn't, isn't just our grocery list of things that we're asking God to do or change or be or whatever. Right. Prayer is is often asking God for the opportunity to inconvenience us for the sake of reaching the lost. OK, so, so, so it says to, to pray that we would go out and communicate the gospel, pray that we would go and speak to other people and to share these mysteries that that he that we've received from him. So it's not just about God, make me comfortable. Give me the nice ultra soft, cushy memory foam slippers to sit on my couch and listen to Maverick City with. No, it's, it's, it's about reaching the lost. It's about putting ourselves into, into uncomfortable and sometimes, often, if we're going to be completely honest, disorienting positions to reach people who don't know Jesus, which then, then the last part where he says, and pray for me as I'm in chains, that I'd preach this message that, that put him in chains as clearly as he should. And so what that tells me is that we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our governmental leaders. We need to pray for our pastors. Hey, can, can I ask you this? Refuge Church, can I ask you to just one day, commit one day a week to pray for your pastors while they're on sabbatical. Can you do that? Can, can you choose, like, if, if your most open day of the week is a Tuesday, it, you don't have to pray for them at pre-service prayer here at church. You can pray for them at, in the comfort of your own home, you can pray for them on your drive to work, you can pray for them on your walk with your kids, but can you commit one day to pray for your pastors? Fresh vision and strategy, and refreshing, and that they would feel the love of Jesus just as much as they communicate it. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. I love it. Thank you. So, so the second thing that the second connection that matters, according to Paul, is a connection to unbelievers. Okay. Colossians 4 verse 5 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. So Often we can find ourselves in kind of two different boats when we when we land on this topic of engaging with unbelievers. We can either land on one side that says, oh, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I can't do life with them. I can't go to lunch with them. I can't hang out with them. I can't do anything with them, right? Or we can land on the other side of the spectrum, which says like, yeah, let's party, let's rave, let's hit the club all for the sake of the gospel. I'm just trying to show the love of Jesus. I'm being all things to all men. I'm just doing my part as a Christian, right? So, so we, can, we can land on either side, but what I want to submit to you is that every road has two ditches. So for every right way to do something, there's probably a wrong way on each side of the pendulum swing. And so, so I want to offer to you this, that when, when Paul is saying to, to um, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity, What he's saying is is he's saying we need to do life with unbelievers in a presupposed way. He's he's not saying if you are one who is called to do life with unbelievers, then do it with wisdom. He's saying as you do life with unbelievers, navigate that road with wisdom. Because what we're balancing here is we're balancing our influence, which, hey, if you're in the room and you have a pulse, you have influence. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you're four years old. I don't care if you're 97 years old. I don't care if you're above 100. If you're above 100, praise God. You probably have the most influence in the room. But there, there is, there's no literally just being alive gives you influence in at least one person's life. And if I know like this much about the gospel, which, which I've only been walking this road for five years, so I'm not saying I know everything, but if I know this much about the gospel, one is worth it. Because it was the 99 that Jesus left to go find the one, right? Yeah. So if there's one person in your circle of influence, that's enough, okay? That's enough. So, so we, need, we need to do life with unbelievers. And while we're doing that, we're balancing one, influence. And then the other thing that we're, we're balancing is consistently, always forsaking, darn near all else is living a life of integrity because I can tell you this, is that the only influence that matters is an influence that's backed with integrity. That's the kind of influence that's going to create and sustain people to an encounter with Jesus that won't just change their life. It won't just make them happy. It won't just maybe turn around some circumstances in their, in their world that they're dealing with. It won't just bring this like, release of shame. It's going to change their eternal destiny right? Because that, that's what it's about. It's not just like having lunch with somebody who like looks different than you or talks different than you or whatever. It's about seeing people come to Jesus and be added to the kingdom, right? So we, we can't, we cannot get so comfortable. We can't get so comfortable that we forget what it's like to not know Jesus. And even, even just from my own life, some of the most refreshing conversations that I have about about Jesus, about my best friend, or with people who don't know him yet. It's like we can have these great theological discussions, and, and I love those. I love being sharpened. I love what Godly community brings as it sharpens us and refines us and brings us into the true knowledge of what it is to know Jesus. But there's something special about somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know the simple truth that Jesus loved them and died for them, There's something beautiful about that conversation that's refreshing to your own spirit because it reminds you. It's like, hey, sometimes I can get so caught up in this and that and this and that. Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I dressing the right way? Am I listening to the right kind of music? All these things. But we forget how simple it is that Jesus loves you. Doing life with unbelievers will remind you of that. And it's from that place it's from that place of doing life with people who don't know Jesus yet. Your heart is stirred with compassion for them. It's like, oh my gosh, you're reminding me of what it's like to need, to need and still need the mercy of God. Because his grace didn't just save me, it's still saving me. Yeah. His grace didn't just come and make me white as snow, but it's empowering me to live a transformed life. Yeah. So it's the same grace that you're experiencing now for the first time, maybe, that, that, that's transforming your life, that's continually transforming mine and it's just this beautiful reminder of what it is to do life with God right and and it's tied to doing life with people who don't know him it's a beautiful thing i love i love how how your pastor pastor nathan models it he he does r- random work at at my workplace, all the time at Live It. he doesn't hide in the corner. He doesn't go into a back room. He seats himself at a table in the front where he's open for conversation, and I love that. He invites people in. Oh, what are you doing? It's like I'm just working on something for my church. He's like that's amazing. What a way to what a way to draw unbelievers in is to go where they are, right? Because I don't I don't have kids yet, but I'll tell you this: my my prayer for my kids when I do have them is that they won't be the kind of christians that will pray the prayers of god use me to expand your kingdom use me to reach the world but then maintain a 10-foot safety bubble from anyone that doesn't look like them talk like them smell like them vote like them believe the same things that they believe were raised in the same communities that they were raised in have the same like intellectual capabilities that they may have there's so much beauty in 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 getting rubbing shoulders with people who need what you have Okay, the, 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 second, the second part of that verse says this, let your conversations be gracious and attractive. Another, another translation says it this way, let your conversations be seasoned with salt so that you'll have the right response for everybody. okay. So my question, my other question, I have lots of questions. I love questions. See, see here's the thing, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I, I teach at our college, so, so you may not like, feel like you're gonna go tear the back of your seat back in front of you and start gnawing on it like a crazed hyena, but, but I do wanna leave you with some questions that are gonna draw you deeper into the very presence of God, because it's not in this moment that everything will change, right? It's in the moments the many moments, the many encounters with the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of your week that are gonna lead you to live a life that, that really honors God and that, that follows what, what Jordan was talking about before of like, hey, being a Christian isn't just about like yelling your political opinions. Jesus was talking to the boys in the gospels when, when he said, hey, how are the, how's the world gonna know that you're my disciples? Not just by sharing things on social media, Not by having a a cross on your Instagram bio. Not by like texting your estranged kids that, oh, Jesus is watching you kind of stuff. (laughs) Right? That that's not gonna do the trick. But he says, you're the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Love for one another. Okay. So so my question for you today, that was a bunny trail. My question for you today is this how are we seasoning our conversations with unbelievers? Because if, raise your hand if you're a foodie in the room. And by a foodie, I mean you like to eat the food. I like to eat the food. Now, raise your hand if you like to cook the food. Look around. These are our people. We love you. We need you. You guys make us better and thicker around the waistline. Praise God. But, so, so, so here's, what, here's the extent of my knowledge of food, is that salt is a beautiful and dangerous weapon okay a little bit of salt and it tastes super bland and kind of gross and it's like what even is this am I chewing cardboard too much salt and your face literally begins to implode You're like water right so, so it's like too much salt is a bad thing too so how again I ask how are we seasoning our conversations with unbelievers are we talking about how the gospel has changed our life at all are we under-seasoning our conversations with people who don't know Jesus? Would they believe you if you told them that you were a Christian? I have to ask myself that all the time, too, because it's balancing that influence and integrity. Would they, would they believe you? Okay. And then, then the other end is, do you push forward your own religious convictions so strongly that you are now inapproachable? Both of them limit your reach. I don't believe that either of them really, really do the work that God has sent us to do. And if we're going to be honest, any, any calling, I would, I would say this, likely, because that's a safe word, likely, any calling that you can ever receive from God involves the lost. Any, any calling that you ever receive from God involves the lost in some way. Okay, so, so when, when, we're, when we're doing life, one of those primary connections that Paul is talking about is that we need to be connected to unbelievers. And then the last one that we're going to talk about is, is one that is so, so, so important, and it's kind of why we kept it to the end, but hey, what do you know? And number three is a connection to the body. We need to be connected to God as He's the head. We need to be connected to unbelievers for the purpose of evangelism, but we need to be connected to the body for the purpose of spiritual maturity. We need to grow. We need to be discipled. We need to be mentored. We need to be coached. We need to be corrected. We need to be challenged in what we think and believe. We need to be told that we're wrong sometimes. We need other people. We need our friends, our brothers and sisters, and our spiritual moms and dads. We need them to tell us that our flesh is coming out a little bit right? Because I wish that I could say that it never happened to me. But often, especially when playing games of Uno, my flesh comes out a little bit. And we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded, right? We need to be corrected. and Because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is messy work, but it's the most, it's the most beautiful act of love that you can do to bring somebody from this chunk of stone into a reformed and refined image of Jesus in the world, right? Because that's our call. Our call is to represent or re-present Christ to the world. And I don't, without discipleship, how can you do that? Without being connected to the body, without having a place in the local church, okay? we, We need to be connected to the local church. We need to serve the local church, We need to come a little early and and hang out and chat with people, straighten out chairs, watch somebody else's kids. We need to stay a little bit late and have those conversations with people. We need to get a little bit vulnerable and uncomfortable and ask for prayer from, from people that we may not know yet but could become the next seasons of our life's best friends and mentors and supporters. We need that. Okay, we need to be connected to the body. So, it later says this in Colossians 4 verse 12, Epaphras, a member of your, so, so Paul, the reason why, why I'm saying that this is significant is because in all of that whole verse from after it talks about doing life with unbelievers, it, it's just Paul going off. Like, hey, say hi to this person, say hi to that person. Luke says hello, and so does Barnabas, and, and so does, I don't know how to say his name, but it's Onesimus or something like that. And then Epaphras, of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnest for, earnestly for you. Why? Asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the will of God. He's praying that you would become spiritually mature. He's praying that this work of, of being redeemed would and the grace of God would continue to transform your life that we would be continually refined into the image of Jesus, okay? So how are we strengthened? We're strengthened through encouragement. Hebrews 13.3 says it this way, encourage one another as long as it's called today. So why? So that you won't grow weary to the deceitfulness of sin. We're strengthened through encouragement. We're strengthened through support. We need to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, right? So, so we're strengthened through the support of the body. We're strengthened through the process of discipleship, of mentoring and coaching, training, all of that good stuff. We're strengthened through being fed. And, and it may start here at like a weekend service where your pa- where your pastor or one of your leaders is is bringing the word to you. But, but what that often looks like is going from milk to bread to meat, and you're slowly developing, maturing, and then you're learning how to feed yourself. And it's not just here that you're receiving the word, and then you're learning how to feed other people, right? So it's in those conversations at the coffee shop or in those Conversations along the road where you're now beginning to to help feed other people, and that's exciting stuff. Yes. And it happens from being connected to the body. Okay, we need each other, and it's for your benefit. I do. there there's a lot to give. There's there's a lot that where where you can serve and that you can you can give of your time, your talent, your treasures, all of those things. But I promise you that if you do that, you will be a different person. Yes. You your life will look completely different that's not just one of those like self-help, do the things, put in the work, and then you'll see the results. No, it's a promise from God. It's a promise from God. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, right? We're drawing near to his body. We're drawing near to, to, to the, the very vessel that God has chosen to bring his message to the world until he comes back. Isn't it a beautiful opportunity? Come on, it's, it's an amazing thing that we get to take part in. And and. This, and again, I'm just sharing my own mail up here. This may be a just me thing, but you never really realize how much of a turd you are until you do life with other people. I I promise you that nothing that I do offends me. Nothing that I say annoys me. My messes don't bother me, right? But it's as soon as we walk into a room with other people, I have found out that I, I've, I've learned ways that I can offend people that I didn't even know were possible. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that was a thing that you could be offended by. But, but what does it do? It refines you. It refines you. It, it puts the bridle on a little bit, and it teaches you to walk with wisdom. And it's not just helpful for doing life in the body, but what, that, that's the, one of the words that Paul used to describe how we should navigate life with unbelievers is with wisdom, right? So we see Paul, and we're, we're going to close at this, this thought, we see Paul here in, in, in prison. For the, for the sake of the gospel, he's sharing the gospel with people and, and he's, he's stoned, he's shipwrecked, he's, all of these crazy things that have happened, it's still, the, the thing that troubles him the most, I, I didn't, I don't know where the reference is, I didn't put it in here, but it just came to mind, is that he's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, he's been whipped, he's been abandoned, he's been without food, he's been without sleep, all of these things, but he says, the thing that troubles him the most is his deep concern for the church. We need to be connected from the body and it's from this place when he's in chains that he's saying, send my regards to, send my regards to, send my regards to. So it's not just for the sake of spiritual maturity that we tie ourselves to body, but, but it's because in, when, when you're in times where you feel like all hope is lost, it's your covenant people it's the body of Christ that's going to pull you back off the, off the ledge. When you're on cloud nine and Paul is preaching to the Gentiles and he's doing all of his missionary journeys, he's doing all these incredible things, he had the body of Christ to share those highs with. He could share his highs with, with the people that he did life with and he could share his lows with the people that he did life with and we need the same thing. It may be like 2,000 years later, but that truth is, truth. one truth doesn't change, but that, that certainly hasn't. That we need people to do life with and alongside. We need people who are gonna challenge our generosity. We need people who are gonna challenge our kindness. We're gonna need people who are gonna challenge our gentleness. We need people who are gonna challenge our the the way that we the way that we honor people with our words and our actions. We need people who are gonna challenge our boldness. We need people who are gonna challenge our intimate prayer life. We need people who are going to challenge our capacity to dream the dreams of God. We need people to challenge our sh- areas of shame and insecurity. We need the body. You need the body. I need the body. And Jesus died to establish it. Okay? So, what we're we're going to we're going to break and and do and do communion, but before we do that, I just I just want to kind of give you three different kind of groups, three, three different groups of people where you could land in none of them. And that's amazing and beautiful. You could land in one of them. But we're gonna we're gonna break into these four different tables in the room. And and there's, there's just three real, real significant things that I felt so strongly that we needed to really pray for. And I believe that as we do communion, it's one of the most beautiful acts and representations of being connected to Jesus and being connected to the body. All right, so, so, so if you're here today and you may feel like, hey, I'm connected to the head, I'm super tight with God, I got my, re- my relationship with Jesus, super nailed down tight, we're doing good, we're besties, but I don't really feel connected to the body, then I want you to be vulnerable, take that step of discomfort and grow closer to the body as, as you just say, hey, I could, I could use some prayer in getting connected to the body. Because how many of you have ever seen like a pinky connected to the forehead? It's kind of weird. It looked like a little antenna. But if Jesus is the head of the church and we're the body, we can't just choose where we position ourselves. If we're created and designed with intention, then the pinky goes on the hand and the hand is connected to the wrist and it's through the relational joints that the body gets everything it needs. Okay, so, so that's the first group. If you feel like you're, you're connected to the head but you're not really connected to the body, I want, I want that opportunity to take place while we do communion. Or maybe, maybe you feel connected to the body, like you're like, hey, I just got plugged in here, I'm super loving it, they're great people, super friendly, but I don't know if I feel super connected to the head. Or maybe, maybe you're in a season of life where, where things may just feel kind of dry. It's like, I'm kind of walking in this area of where, where my spiritual life is just dry, my prayer life has been dry. Just like Connie was saying in the beginning, if you've been trying to get into the Word but it's just felt dry and lifeless, I feel connected to the body, I love the people, but I just don't really feel that connected to God right now, then I want, I want there to be an opportunity for you to receive prayer. And then maybe you're here for the first time or you're here just visiting or maybe a friend invited you or whatever and, and you, would, you would honestly say, hey, I don't really feel connected to the head or the body. Then I want there to be an opportunity for that as well. So I just, I just wanna invite you and, and Jordan, you can come and, and say whatever you like as well. But, but I just want to pray and then invite you to kind of get up and make your way to one of these four tables in the corners and, and just take communion together and, and pray for one another and, and believe in with faith that God is going to show up and do something absolutely incredible. OK, so God, I just thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that you're here and I thank you that you're moving. God, I thank you that you're able. I thank you, God, that you are what makes us whole. God, that you are what, what fills us with peace and confidence for the next leg of the race. Lord, we ask that if there are people here today that may not feel connected to the body, we just ask for the, the, the deepest feeling of intimacy to enter into the room not right now. Lord, if there's people that are here that, that aren't maybe not connected to the head, God, we just ask that you would show them your love in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you enter into their hearts and mark them as your sons and your daughters? Would you show them your love for them in such a real and practical way right now? So we just thank you for the gift of communion. Lord, we just ask that as we do this, just as your word instructs us, as we do this, would we remember your sacrifice? Jesus, would we remember that it was for for our benefit that you would go to the cross at Calvary. It was that we could be drawn near to you that you chose to give your life up for us. Jesus, it was so that we could be made whole and redeemed and bought back with a price of your own blood that you died. So we ask, Lord, that we would remember these things as we take communion today, in Jesus' name.